0: Hi everyone and welcome to Did You Watch The Race? The F1 podcast that looks at Formula One from the dual perspective of a long-time fan and a relatively new fan to the sport. I'm producer and social media manager Jenna. And I've been watching F1 for four
1: years. I'm Jason, and I've been watching F1 for the last 15 years or so. I'm Colin, and I've been watching F1 for four years as well. After what might be one of the more interesting Monaco Grand Prix weekends, we'll be reviewing the Wet n' Wild race and the subsequent fallout of the time penalties, tyre choices, and a lot of the grumbling from the team radios. There's a Did You Watch the Race
2: live show on Sunday, 4th of June. From 1pm in the Lighthouse in Dunleary. we'll be hosting an
1: F1 live watch party with pre-race games, some race commentary, and an F1 quiz. You'll be able to win loads of cool prizes, including some Peroni and Red Bull merch, pints and a carting voucher worth 250 euro. We'll
0: also be holding a competition this week on our socials, so to be in with a chance of winning a Lights Out package, which includes any burger and chips, bottomless drinks from the Lighthouse's bottomless menu, from the moment the lights go out, until the first car comes home you can win that for two people so keep an eye on our Instagram for that
2: you can book your tickets now via the link on our Instagram bio
1: or visit the Lighthouse Dun yeah make sure to go and check them out they run really cool events all the time so a big thanks to them for getting us in to, to run this race
0: and we'll see you all there on Sunday
1: we have to run a race so With that out of the way, there's a lot to get through, and so let's get stuck into it. Did you watch the race? I did. It was one of those, it was was a bit dull for the first 40 odd laps. It was a very standard Monaco race, and then once the rain started to come down, it was very enjoyable.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think the start of the race wasn't as boring as uh, other Monaco races I've watched. There was a few overtakes, and there was some exciting stuff at the start. I thought it was quite good.
1: No, yeah, definitely. Overall, it wasn't actually, it wasn't a bad race. It was just a standard Monaco race, really. I think... Just before the race, if we run through Quali, I think Quali was fantastic. It was uh, probably one of the best sessions of the year we've had so far. Oh my God, yeah. It was absolutely brilliant.
2: It was so exciting. The last, like, the last Quali was brilliant.
1: Yeah, it was a perfect combination of the track developing throughout the day. A lot of drivers just being really on it. Like Alonso, Ocon, Max were all on it. And then you had like Hamilton obviously kind of just pipping his way through each session as well science the same god yeah he was really struggling yeah it was, a, it was a really enjoyable quality session and there was a lot to be taken from it I think
2: so that's one thing I'm really unsure about is the whole concept of track evolution I get it that they're putting down more rubber and the track can heat up and stuff I just don't
1: understand the entire physics of it just quickly yeah it obviously changes track to track but uh, somewhere like Monaco where they're not racing on it all year round so the track develops an awful lot quicker compared to like a Silverstone where there is racing. Almost every weekend, and there's events during the week, so that there's constant rubber being laid down. So that's what leans so much in Monaco to to the track development as a, as the qualifying session goes on. Yeah, they resurface the roads there as well, don't they? Yeah, they resurface them every year for it as well. So that's on top of it as well. So, and it's a dual effect in Monaco as well, where the first day of practice sessions usually are basically clearing off the road of any dirt and debris from your usual traffic. And then it's laying down the actual racing rubber. I'd be really curious to see what it's like to drive on those roads after the race. Would you notice like? Uh, Yeah.
2: Any, like, chunks of rubber everywhere?
1: Oh, well, yeah. I assume they go around and clean it up after a lot, but we've seen some absolute top-tier driving throughout Q3, throughout qualifying as a whole, but Q3 especially, there was just some really great laps coming in, like Ocon, Alonso coming into the last runs, and then Verstappen, I have no idea where he pulled out. So I think coming through the second sector, he was two-tenths down and ended up qualifying and pulled by about, what was it, I think it was seven or eight-hundredths. But to pull out two-tenths of a second in what is one of the shortest sectors on the calendar... Where the least time to make up it was because I literally saw him coming through that turn. I was like, "Oh, he's not going to get pole. It's going to be Alonso." And then yeah, he, he just got it.
2: Yeah, I had the exact same thought because as soon as uh, uh, Alonso had gotten pr- a provisional pole and Max had got two green sectors when he hadn't mm. made a purple, and I was like, "Oh yeah," but he was yeah, he was was two tenths down. Yeah,
1: and um, that was quite surprising. Yeah, so Whopper driving, he really deserved that pole. It was just complete 100% commitment, playing chicken with the wall, really, to a degree. But so that set him up perfectly then for Sunday. So he obviously had, effectively, a, a perfect weekend. He net-led the race from, from Lights Out to the flag, and bare a couple of uh, brushes with the wall throughout the race, he he, he didn't really put a a, a wheel wrong, yeah. if you will. There
2: was actually no point where he was
1: second at all, was there? I don't think even during the pitting, I think he was still set ahead. No, yeah, he was ahead because he he was one of the last drivers to switch over to the Inters after staying out. He he And also he, Alonso went for the slicks as well. Yeah, so I, I was doing some digging into that today. Now, I, I think it was damned if they did, damned if they didn't sort of thing. I can see why they threw the dice that they did, you know. Uh,
2: oh, I think it was a fair play. I think it was a good move. Like, I know it didn't work out for them, but they didn't lose anything. I think it was actually a really good call because it could have went 50-50 either way.
1: No, exactly. Yeah, so the, they threw the dice and that's what you'll love to see. The teams are gunning for the win. And if, so their assumption was, that, uh, as Martin's assumption was, if it had to have stopped raining, they might have been okay. So he pit in a lap earlier than Verstappen did. So the track hadn't fully soaked up at that point yet. It was only wet in a couple of turns. So they thought if they could ride that storm for the few laps it was going to be, and then it had to dry up and people are going to need to pit back onto slicks. Because there was still quite a good chunk of the race left. This was what, lap 54-ish. So yeah, there was still enough of the race left that if it hadn't to, stay raining it would have dried up quickly yeah look I think it was a low risk high reward situation and I think that's like where you're going to make your best calls yeah exactly and because people are saying that oh Max lost a lot of time on his in lap then that was when he clattered into the wall on the slicks but Aston Martin had no way known that that he would do that you know they just took they took a punt on it and it didn't work out but I think you you really have to commend them on it
2: yeah and Alonso still came second and that's his best placement this year I think isn't it Yes. Yeah. So, fair play to them. And the team.
0: Going back to the start then, the first incident, incident, I suppose, is the I love that happened on the hairpin in the first lap. So, and rear-ended it out tyree. I believe it was Greece. And this caused... Um, quite a bit of traffic then in the air, but obviously it's a precarious
1: turn in the first place. Yeah it's the most ungraceful turn on the calendar it, it's like it, it really makes some of the, the best drivers in the world look like they don't know what a steering wheel is.
0: Yeah it was comical.
1: Yeah Sergeant had an absolute merit it at the end as well. S- Sergeant himself yeah had issues the whole day through that turn but yeah. such yeah especially on lap one it's so funny you see the cars going through it because they just struggle. They, they don't have the steering lock for at that speed like that's they're down at 30 miles an hour out there. It, yeah, it, it always ends up like that. <laughs> but apart from that, they they got away relatively well for the first section of the race, you know, apart from Perez compounding his own misery throughout the, the early sections. He he was really trying to do too much to get by people and Monaco just really is not a track where you can do that. He had made the stupid error in qualifying. I, looking at it again, I was just like, that, that, was, that was a man under pressure that... Had that crash in Q one, you know, he was ringing the car off it in Q one into turn one. You know, there's, there's very little to be gained from what he was going for. I find. Oh, that was completely random.
2: Like he came around with so much speed, yeah. I don't know what happened
1: there. Yeah, and then so he continually compounded that throughout the race by clipping people and clipping into the wall. The Magnuson incident, I've actually read since that so that was so on that he he hopped onto the radio straight after that, saying Magnuson brake checked him. It was actually an anti stall issue on the Hass, so that's what slowed him down. So I would actually give him the benefit of the doubt in that that instant, he he couldn't have foreseen that the car was going to slow down that much, you know. So who also had a very
2: difficult race was Signs. He pretty much ruined himself uh, coming out of the the tunnel, coming up to the chicane, and he rear ended Akon. Yeah, I don't know what he was trying. Like Akon was basically just running his own race and science came up coming
1: up as ours yeah I don't think he expected it to be as close to him coming out or something because it, it was again it was a very strange incident where the car w- like he just slammed on the brakes he was coming in too hot and yeah that, that really then that set the tone for his day
0: he was really angry on the radio for the day I don't know if it was the broadcasting just specifically selecting his radio but on the sound bites, but it was like I felt like we just the, the experienced
1: from science, across the race. Sa- science's anger over the strategy calls. Like it, it was one of them. I could see why he was so angry from his position. I haven't looked through much of the explanations around it, but I can see where Ferrari were coming from to one degree. But also, he was on the hard tire. He was on the better strategy. They should have probably just given given the shout to string him out. You know, if the teams have been talking about there being a chance of rain the whole way through the race it just seemed like a premature thing to try and cover hamilton when you know th- there was the, over- the 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 looming threat of the rain now in monaco obviously track position is key so that's what they were thinking they wanted to ensure that they weren't going to get stuck behind hamilton they might have jumped on but they were going to be stuck behind hamilton that was a net you know no change but yeah it was a frustrating day for for both driver and team in that sense where one wanted to do one thing and the other wanted to do the other ferrari overall had a bit of a I'm not going to say poor weekend but looking at their pace that they were expecting into quali they really just were nowhere then when it came to the race now obviously look Monaco is Monaco and Leclerc's penalty is what really kind of scuppered his weekend I suppose but yeah I think they'll be happy to get out of Monaco and, and, and try to get to a try to get a bit of pace back into that car I think the uh
2: impending threat of rain made it a lot more exciting because obviously people were holding off not to put on slicks and then have to go into the pits again and put on their wets or inters even. So I think that made the race more exciting because you could see people really struggling with the tyres and like pushing and pushing and pushing like oh yeah the rain's coming the rain's coming and whenever then it did come it was like okay you know now you can pit
1: and I think that made it a lot more exciting. Exactly I was just going to say so that anyone who started on the hard tyre was in a massive advantage further the rain. So that's where you've seen Akon, yeah. Russell, Alonso all had a, a decent advantage coming into that. I think that also leaned into the fact Max was kind of brushing the wall a bit as he was coming in on his in lap because he was on such worn down mediums. So even in a wet weather race, a, a fresh set of slicks will be better than a worn set of slicks. They can just hold on to the temperature a little bit better. So that 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 would have been a massive issue for him. And I think this also is part of the reason why asked Martin if they had pit for the inters straight away they they mightn't have got away with it because I think once Max had that one little brush at the wall he backed off massively knowing he had that gap behind him he knew Alonso was X minus X behind and had to pit again you know
2: Max did a fairly good job to work through that graining period he had with his tyres because he was dropping off a lot and the gap between him and
1: Alonso was closing a good bit and then he managed to pick it back up
0: that was massively impressive yeah
1: yeah I think it had closed to about 8 seconds just before the rain
0: Max stayed out quite long him and K-Mag. K-Mag. was on the hards, and he didn't pit until... He actually had a horrific pit stop, so he didn't pit until lap 58. So three laps after, basically, the other hard compounds had all pitted, And he had a crash just before the pit lane entry, so his front wing was damaged. So when he came in to pit, the... His crew obviously hadn't been notified of this that had just happened, happened seconds before and they didn't have the front wing ready. So there was like a mad scramble while he was in the pits to have this ready, uh, which was entertaining, but also super painful.
1: It wasn't even that they didn't have a, the front wing ready. It was that they had jacked the car up with the front jack as well. Oh, so they usually it. change the front wing, they jack up from the side. So it was, yeah, it, <laughs> <laughs> it was a panic at the office for the Haas team yeah again Haas were just again they are throwing the dice they weren't in a points position
2: again it's pretty low risk high reward situation with them again
1: so uh, and it actually, once the rain started coming down, I've seen, seen photos of it from the track. The the drops are actually quite big, like as in it got very wet, very quick. Exactly. It wasn't a light shower. It it was just that it came in through one section so that it was only wet in one area at the, at the start. So it was very hard to read read what to do on the fly when you only have them two to three laps. And it even depends where you are on the track when it starts raining. But yeah, it, it was an interesting watch seeing the drivers go around on slicks through a horrendous section, you know. And overall, the fact that there was no safety cars, there was nobody got stuck in the wall. You know, it, it was some great driving all around. One driver that was unfortunate, but at his own through his own detriment, it uh, was Russell. He was in a net P three position, and then obviously went off. Yeah, so and that then that was what caused the penalty as well. Yeah, the late entry. Yeah, that was unfortunate for him. It was such a funny looking instant though, because it kind of looked like because Stroll had went off in front of him, and it looked like he just kind of followed Stroll.
0: It did, didn't it? That was such a weird shot. His rejoin was very dodgy, though, know, very fairness. I think he probably
1: did. It was dodgy, but he couldn't see. Now, again, on second watch, I think he could have rejoined and stayed off the racing line. You know, I don't think there was any need for him to cut across the way he did. But again, he to the moment. He can't see what's behind him. He can't see what's coming into him. And then once he clipped Perez, he was probably like, oh, shit, where am I going? Ah, you know, yeah. so. We also probably don't know how... A visible, what his visibility was like because the rain could be a
2: lot different when you're down that low on the track. I don't know. Like, obviously, we have a very high vantage point,
1: but it's not even the rain, as in it's the, the literal he can't see that's a complete blind spot on the car, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, also, last thing on George there, like that,
2: that penalty didn't even matter in the end. I think he finished a fair well, bit ahead of yeah. signs. So, or Leclerc, I mean, sorry. So, yeah, I don't think it
1: mattered at all. No, it just you know, and that's uh, people are giving out about his, his radios about getting past Hamilton. Look, I think... I think that was a good idea, in fairness. Yeah, I think...
0: Was it, though, because he was seven seconds in front of Charles? So it wouldn't have made any difference.
2: He wasn't at the time, he wasn't at the time,
1: he was very close to Charles at the time when he made that radio message And also when you're in the complete heat of the moment he might have known how many laps, like you know he might have been thinking about how many laps are left Yeah he couldn't, he would have known the gap to Leclerc but he wouldn't know Leclerc's pace if he was going to be at risk to him or not So I think he was just trying to get whatever he could out of it but it was opportunistic to say the least I don't think Hamilton was ever gonna. Oh, 100 percent, yeah. And Hamilton shouldn't either because that's you know you're still in for a podium position at that point, and swapping for third versus fourth is very different for swapping from. And there's
2: no telling what could have happened between like Ocon and Alonso and stuff. Like one of them could have crashed or something. Exactly, yeah. Especially in the rain. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I don't think I don't think it was going to happen. I don't think it was like the best strategy but I think it's fair enough call. like yeah. it's from Russell's point of view it's a fair
1: enough ask exactly heat of the moment consider this yeah. guy's yeah no you can completely understand where he's coming from Hamilton overall had a great weekend I I, I thought obviously yeah. bar- barring his uh, well I think his the 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 stress he was or stress he put us under in qualifying was more than just the strategy of when they were getting out for the for the free laps in qualifying I don't think it was a factor of pace as much as that but in the race yeah kept it on the road quite well starting on the inferior strategy as well so it's a solid fourth and fifth for Mercedes this weekend
2: yeah I think Mercedes done really well I know Alonso took second place I think the fact that Stroll DNF means that Mercedes had a really good pull of points compared to them I think they're really close now so I'm looking at the standings now and Aston Martin are at 120 Mercedes are at 119 so they've really pulled into that fighting for second place now one point in the difference yeah so So who are your winners and losers for the weekend Obviously Acon. I think he had a fantastic week they, Like the whole team played the strategy really well um, He drove very well No issues I think he had loads of pace as well That was really good
1: Yeah that, that was a great result on pure merit You know he was very fast in qualifying He was faster in the race And around Monaco all you need to be is You need to be able to stay in front of the car behind you You know <laughs> as, as, as simple as that sounds He did that the whole Race, so it was a, a mega yeah, drive from him.
2: <laughs> what's your lad from uh, what's that journal? Will
0: Buxton. Will
2: Buxton.
1: <laughs> cheers, yeah, cheers, Will Buxton. And I think it just given the season they've both been having, I think as in uh, o- Ocon has been decent all through the season, but Gasly coming in his first year in the team and doing quite well, this is this will be a nice one for Ocon to have now in yeah. the bag, you know. Yeah, for, for coming into the European season. This is a very busy part of the season, so... Especially for Alpine as well,
2: considering, like, what yeah. we were talking
1: about last week. Who was it, there? The CEO, yeah.
2: Yeah, giving a shout to them. Gadsley also had a good race and he finished in a good position, I think, so... For him as well,
1: yeah. No, good weekend for Casley overall, yeah. Oh,
2: also uh, another uh pair of winners. I think the McLarens had a had a good weekend. Yeah, I was just about to say, yeah, yeah. They're looking a lot better than they were.
1: Piastri was keeping very close to Norris.
0: Piastri's really holding his own. In all fairness,
1: Joe. Yeah, I I think obviously he doesn't have much competition, but in ter- but he's he's been the standout rookie so far this year. Oh yeah, but but even the the results haven't given context to how good he's been. You know, he's getting consistently beaten by Lando but he's very close to him you know as in yeah I agree but Lando's also a phenomenal driver I think and he's been very used to the car even if though it is a box exactly you know, that's his team for. so for Piastri to come in and be this quick straight out the gap in not a great car and sold close to Lando yeah who is very well respected in McLaren and, and throughout the grid it's a he's having a really good season so far he's made no big errors he hasn't really been involved in too many incidents you know he's uh, he, he's making a great claim for himself for, for a driver for the future
2: yeah and I know it's a different car and the Obviously, it's a different race season, but like if you're comparing him to like Ricardo from last year as well, he's doing a very good job of keeping that, close, that bit closer to Lando than yeah. Ricardo was.
1: Yeah, look, I think them them comparisons will always be drawn and using kind of to, to both to, to up Piastri and to beat Danny a bit with a stick. But yeah, it's, it's very hard to compare across drivers like that, but it looks good for him, you'd have to say. So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what he can do, do in the future.
0: A winner and a loser, in my opinion, is that. E. Like, Not a lap before I was saying to people I was watching with how consistently good he has been this year in general, but he did it, he had a really yeah. great race, he had a really good race until lap 69 when he went to the run to so the same place where Russell went off and now he uh, joined safely. But, he lost so many positions. He said that his brakes sucked.
2: Yeah, I was so disappointed for him at that point. Yeah,
0: I was so 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 sad for him. He really deserved to win those points, and I was just devastated for him. And I enjoyed that he said the brake sucks instead of beep 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 beep
1: beep. Yeah, I haven't seen that and confirmed about the the brake issues they were discussing, but you would have to assume the way he was overtaken by the two McLarens into the first turn with the speed differential, you would imagine he just didn't have any faith in that brake pedal and that was that was leaning into it. You know, Monaco isn't on a track where you want your brake. Not, not that you want them to fail anywhere, but you really don't want yeah, them to fail in Monaco. It. So given the pace he had had for the preceding 68 laps, uh, I, th- there had to have been some sort of an issue in that car, I think, for him to drop like a stone the way he did. Yeah, but yeah, he was, he was running a great race up until that.
0: Stroll had... An even worse weekend, he like anything that could have happened happened. To be honest, just throw like it just kept coming for him, and I felt very sorry for him because I think as we were saying last week, he really needs to prove himself, and Monaco was an opportunity for that, and it just it didn't go his way, and I don't necessarily know if it was his fault. I think it was a series of unfortunate events. Yeah,
2: we were talking him up a lot last week. We were talking him up yeah. a lot last week, and we were like, "Yeah, let's go, let's go, yeah. Lance." And this week, he just had an absolute mare.
1: He had damage and qualifying now, which obviously did affect him a little bit. Yeah, we've bigged him up quite a bit. Or I don't think we've bigged him up. We we but we've defended him. We were in his Um, corner for a good. Yeah, I'm still in his corner. No, and look, I still think there's a. I still, I still stand by what we said. But he just had an unfortunate weekend. Yeah, so hopefully he can pick it up and get get moving again next weekend. I'd say
2: I'd say he's feeling a lot of pressure, especially with Alonso. I think he's been coming third majority of the races. No, he's come second. I'd say he's feeling a lot of pressure.
1: Yeah, exactly. And he like uh, Alonso smashed him in terms of points. I think he is a hundred and hundred odd points for, out of the, the team, 120.
2: So, a lot for context, Alonso has ninety-three points and Lance has
0: twenty-seven.
1: Wow. Yeah, so, so there's a fair gap. There. If if they end up losing out in P two, to either Mercedes or Ferrari, and the constructors, it, it it'll be Lance's fault, you know. So yeah, because the minute it's yeah. obviously just
2: Alonso versus. Mercedes
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Look he's been very unfortunate Throughout the season But yeah hopefully Hopefully from From next week He'll be able to kick on a bit
2: I still think he's a good driver I just think There's something going on there there's, There can't just be bad luck All the time That can't be that
1: People call Russell lucky Say for example With the the the, or the the rain The time it came Safety cars He's gotten all that In the sport to a degree You have to make your own luck You know So if one driver keeps getting called consistently lucky and one is called consistently unlucky, then yeah, there has to be more to the story. Taking on first position in the biggest loser competition, uh, absolutely Sergio Perez. Could I, I don't think this weekend could have went worse from, you know, getting lapped twice by your oh. teammate in the same car, the crash, then getting used as a mule for for tires to check with Max. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. I nah, just had a mare. Yeah. And it was yeah. so
2: unfortunate because, like, that was the main excitement for this season. No, there's more excitement. There's still a lot going on. But I think we were relying on him to cause a lot of drama between him and Max. I know Max would have ran away with it at some point in the end. But still, I was kind of holding out for a bit of hope there.
1: Yeah, exactly. The only hope we had of a, a fight for the, the driver's title was was Perez. But no, like, yeah, look, we were, we were trying to be optimistic. But we're coming into now a string of Max's best tracks by, by and large and, and tracks that Perez never really has excelled on as well so I, I fear that this gap is only going to get bigger and bigger and I think this weekend was was a little bit of a sign of that that there was just a bit of desperation in the driving from the get-go from that, that crash in Q1 and then just the way he was going for overtakes during the race you know you could see, see in it he, he's seeing the rest of the year happening in front of him but yeah so It'll be a big job for him to to regroup after this, I think. But he has a chance next weekend anyway. I actually really, really enjoyed this race. I think this
2: was the best Monaco race I've ever watched.
1: Yeah, a bit of wet weather in Monaco really stirs the pot a bit. It's just seeing the challenge the drivers have keeping the cars on the track when they can't rely on aerodynamic grip because the, the speeds are so low. So yeah, it was a. I thought it was a quite enjoyable race. I think, given how good qualifying is as well, it, it was two enjoyable
0: sessions to watch. To me, it was better than the Australian Grand The same level of drama, but the flow and pace of the race was a lot better. Obviously, because there was no red flags.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was kind of similar to, uh, or it was, it was like a combination of Miami and australia to a degree you had the drama but you had the constant action as well so just for reference our current top three races are miami australia and Jeddah. so yeah where do we we think this personally i would probably put this in on top yeah i was gonna go for that as I was well i'm gonna put
0: it below um, miami but i am very happy to rank it as the, the best race
2: yeah i'm gonna put this on top i think yeah
1: i think same
0: i'm if it's a majority vote i'm happy to put it on top but if it's individual i'd put it underneath Miami, that's
1: okay. It's been quite a higgledy piggly start to the season, so hopefully we'll see some better racing now as we come in. You know, I think Monaco being on top at this point is a sign of the season we've had so far. Yeah. 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 So, looking ahead to this week then, we have the Barcelona Grand Prix. I'm very much looking forward to getting back to some actual purpose-built tracks. Barcelona is changing as well for this year, so the chicane in sector three has finally been removed. It's been in since 2006, I believe, and it has really hampered racing. It was put in, I think, for, for safety at the time, but...
0: Did you know it added an extra six seconds onto the lap? Seems like a lot.
1: Yeah, so this is the track layout they'd actually use in MotoGP in a few different series, so... Getting rid of that, chicane should really open up a lot of overtaking opportunities into the first turn because it just, it, it locked cars up basically coming out of that. It th- th- was very hard to follow through it. it. was very hard to get any sort of flow through it. So having that out will hopefully lean to, lead to a lot better racing. Yeah, um, in terms of tyres, then we have the hardest range of the perennial tyres this weekend. It is a very abrasive track. Barcelona is traditionally used as a test track for cars. So it offers a lot, or, it presents a lot of different challenges as well there's a decent blend of a straight there's a lot of slow speed corners a lot of high speed cor- or a lot of medium speed turns it's an interesting track to see the cars at, and it's probably the best track of the year to rank the teams as well this is where you will really get a feel for where everyone is you know Monaco, Baku they're completely conflicting tracks whereas Barcelona kind of sets the tone now for the European season so I'm intrigued to see where we fall between Aston, Merck and Ferrari because obviously we know Red Bull are going to, be, going to be flying out ahead but this week as well we're going to finally get a chance to kind of see where teams are upgrade wise because obviously missing Imola a lot of teams are planning to bring upgrades to Imola. Mercedes brought theirs to Monaco so we finally got to see a version of side pods on that car. It looks quite, they seem to have gone for a kind of combination of a few different concepts. The closest car probably on the, on the grid that it looks like at the minute it's the Alpine. It's that kind of style, the Alpine Aston Martin side pod But we haven't really had a chance to see how how that will change the car yet. So we should get a good chance to see that this weekend. Do you think they'll see a few iterations of it? So I don't know if it'll stay this way for the rest of the season. Might change a bit. No, more. I I I'd imagine it'll change a little bit. But it but it'll be a finesse of it rather than a yeah. change. It, it, this oh is yeah, quite yeah I would change, not expecting yeah. to see like a massive change. Yeah, I'm just
2: wondering what the evolution of it will look like throughout the season.
1: Exactly yeah so, and they didn't bring their floor upgrade to Monaco as well now that may have been for protection reasons to admit that they didn't feel they needed it and it was probably for the best as well anyway because their car got slung up high oh. in the air where everyone got to see their floor so at least they got to keep that under wraps for another week. Sorry did so, you move on to Red Bull there? <laughs> no well, Mercedes and Red Bull were in the air I was going to talk about Red Bull as well yeah but
2: Oh when did Mercedes uh, get lifted?
1: Hamilton in crashed in FP3
2: Oh I didn't see that okay
1: yeah, and all the teams got a chance, obviously, this weekend to see up the skirt of the, the Red Bull racing. I don't know if you had much of a look at the. Image. I
0: haven't, but I was listening to Ted Kravitz no, I didn't to look describe it, at it. and it, the way he was talking about it, it was like the most beautiful thing you would ever seen in his life.
1: It is quite a marvel of engineering, yeah. Now, obviously, it's kind of you're just looking up from underneath it, but there is a couple of differences in it. You can see they've gone, they're very stepped, which a lot of teams can have a flowing floor. Red Bull have a much more stepped version, but. Again, look, the, there's nothing, other than it looks interesting, there is absolutely nothing you can, well, I can learn, basically, <laughs> just from looking at it. Oh, uh, well, let me tell bit. you. <laughs> and actually, a regulation I didn't realise, the teams are explicitly not allowed to model off photographs. So they can't make 3D models or anything directly from the photographs. I was wondering
0: that, yeah, like what the intellectual property is
1: law is exactly yeah now they can look at it and deduce things from it but they can't explicitly generate 3d models from source images of other cars
2: oh that's interesting
1: ferrari should have a couple upgrades coming in this weekend as well i think and a few other teams i'd say we're going to see a lot more upgrades popping up on cars between now and the next few races but overall yeah i think it should be an interesting weekend i i don't know where we'll end up in terms of the the second third and fourth battle i think before Alonso's in, coming back to his home country, you'd have to fancy him for, for best of the rest again. But if Mercedes can get that car to start working a bit better, that they're not a million miles off Aston Martin. So you, we could see a, a, a closer scrap there this weekend, I think. Do you have any wild predictions for this weekend?
0: Alonso's
1: be B1. Yeah, I'm going
2: to just go with Ferrari again because they can't keep messing up. I'd like to see... <laughs> You're at just going to keep saying
0: Ferrari until eventually... <laughs> yeah. Oh,
2: 100%. You're talking about manifesting. I'm definitely manifest. <laughs> if I keep if I keep guessing for Ferrari, at some point they'll. The funny thing is, I'm not even a Ferrari fan. I just you know, yeah, broken
1: clock. Yeah, yeah. I think Piastri is going to beat Norris this weekend. That's my
0: my Ooh, prediction. That is oh, that's so a good long. one.
1: It's very very conservative. So we'll be watching the race this Sunday, obviously, in the lighthouse in Dunleary. So make sure to check that out and come down and see us if you're around.
2: Do you want to watch the race, do you?
1: (laughs) And then obviously we'll be discussing the race again next Wednesday on the podcast. If you
2: manage to get down to the lighthouse on June 4th, we'll also be potentially recording some predictions from you guys. So you might have a chance to be on the podcast if you like. So that'll be all from us this week, folks. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next Wednesday with our Barcelona race review which will also include some live predictions from our F1 event. If
1: you enjoyed the podcast be sure to give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really helps us if you leave a review and make sure to tell your friends and family to give us a listen.
0: We're also on Instagram at did you watch the race all one word and while you're at it have a little look at Cody Illustrations who do up lot of lovely artwork and hopefully we'll have some fun stickers and artwork to share with you guys for the live event.
2: So, thanks for listening. I've been Colm. I've uh, been Jason. I've been Jenna. And we talk to you next Wednesday. If you manage to get down to the Lighthouse on June 4th, we'll also be potentially recording some predictions from you guys, so you might have a chance to be on the podcast if you like. It'll
0: be just like us.
2: You can also do 50 takes
0: <laughs> for one line. Yeah, fucking easy it is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: just just read this here. Oh, that's right. <laughs>